Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'll never forget that day. Something sinister happened. Something unimaginable. My cell phone rings, and it's Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo. Sheriff says to me, Glenn, I'm calling about Jeff Gehrman. And he says, Jeff's dead. Just like that? Just like that. Jeff Gehrman was found dead with stab wounds outside his home around 10.30 yesterday morning. Metro police are asking for the public's help. They're saying this is the suspect. I couldn't even believe it. I had so many questions. Who would do this? I mean, how did this happen? Just how big a list of people might have wanted Jeff dead? That's a line of people that runs from here to Los Angeles. This guy's written about terrible people who've done awful things for over 40 years. The worst kinds of people. They called him Tony the Ant, but Tony Spilacro was a big figure in the mafia. He had a special interest in covering organized crime. You know, he was gutsy and fearless. Jeff Gehrman was guided by an innate sense of right and wrong. If he knew someone was engaging in criminal activity, 
unethical activity, inappropriate behavior. He wanted to do that story. He wanted to bring it to light. We couldn't believe he would even take a call from us, but he did. Give me a sense of what state you were in when you called Jeff Garam. We were desperate, in fear every day. It was just survival, one step in front of the other, one day at a time. The only person that listened to us and the only person that tried to do something, that concretely put their name on the line the to try to do something. He's the first person that listened to us. Was, was Jeff Garam? Was, yeah. was Jeff. He did something and he fought for us. And he is 100% our hero. And if I was to talk to him today, I think the first thing I would say is I'm sorry. As Jeff's editor, his colleague, did you ever sense any danger in covering this story? There was absolutely no suggestion, no hint that this would end the way it did. None. Assassination of Jeff Gehrman. On September 2nd, 2022, it was a boiling hot late summer day in Las Vegas, and people were getting ready for the Labor Day weekend. It was late morning when, in broad daylight, something terrible happened. As investigative journalist for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Brianna Erickson and Rhonda Prast had seen a lot of bad people do a lot of bad things. But nothing came close to the Machiavellian plot to murder their friend and colleague, Jeff Gehrman. Jeff Gehrman was at his house on vacation He'd gone out to get something to eat. He came back, shut his garage door. You could see in the surveillance video from across the street that someone, an assailant, came into his yard, went to the left side of his house, went inside the gate, shut the gate. And then we see Jeff, moments later, opening his garage door and he was instantly ambushed when he turned the corner to where that person was lying in wait. In the video, you can kind of see a struggle, but Jeff ultimately falls to the ground and he never gets up. What happened to him in that attack? Jeff was stabbed. He was stabbed seven times, four times in the neck, three in the torso. Seven stab wounds. Did that suggest what kind of a killing this was? To me, this was a very personal attack. To stab someone in such a short time, viciously, seven times, with no warning. 
A concerned neighbor found Jeff Gehrman's body hidden behind some bushes 24 hours later. 911 emergency for Beal 1965. Do you need police fire medical? I have a neighbor across the street from me and he's laying in the side yard. Um, I believe he's dead. He's got blood over him. It was just a terrible thing to know that he was lying there and we wondered whether he could have been saved, but medical experts told us later that he likely died within a minute or two. It was a small mercy for a man who had spent his life fighting for the underdog. At the base, he just wanted to help people and protect people, you know, and expose wrongdoing. From the start, Jeff Gehrman was shooting for big game. And when he came from Wisconsin in the 70s, Vegas was the Serengeti. Mark Fierro, a TV reporter at the time, became a lifelong friend and trusted source. Jeff Gehrman at the outset was a, a reporter who caught the most important beat in Las Vegas of his day that was organized crime. Then a reporter for the Las Vegas Sun, Jeff took on one of the biggest, meanest mobsters on the Strip. A prime target of the feds is Tony Spalatro, the outfit's representative in Vegas. Spilatro has Tony Spalatro, a power player for the Chicago mob, played by Joe Pesci in Scorsese's film Casino. You said I'm bringing heat on you? Here's Jeff Gehrman talking about Spilatro in the podcast Mobbed Up. He had a reputation for being a brutal killer, yet he was never convicted of a single murder. A podcast Jeff made about a year before he died. He had the coldest eyes I've ever seen. In my stories, I got used to calling Spilatro by his street name, Tony the Ant. He hated that, and it sometimes left me at the receiving end of Spilatro's nasty stares and his menacing fits of anger. The irony of all of this is, is that Jeff was not a tall man, was not a strong man, but he toughed it out and he went toe to toe with these guys year in and year out. And some of these guys were dangerous guys. Try as they did, they couldn't scare him, says Brianna. After his tires had been slashed and some spooky things were happening to him, he told a mob affiliate in a bar to call off his dogs. Then he got punched in the face. He later described that as a badge of honor. A couple of hours later, with four stitches under my lip, I had a war story to tell. As the mob slowly lost its grip on Vegas, Jeff built a career exposing dirty business, government corruption, and crime. Rhonda, the former assistant managing editor for investigations at the RJ, worked with him for three years. He kept digging and digging and digging, and he was like the dog, the little dog that would take a bite of your pants and wouldn't let go. You know, he was just so laser focused on continuing to go deeper and deeper and deeper into a story. That tenacity helped him expose the truth in stories that could have remained in the shadows. He was one of the few journalists, along with his colleague David Ferrara, to report on the Susan Winters case, a woman whose parents doubted the suicide ruling in their daughter's death. And Jeff started putting pieces together working with the attorney for the family, and that the way that she killed herself was so unseemly that it just didn't add up. And once he started, 
And he started pulling on that thread, and then he started pulling on a rope, and then it turned into a chain. That chain turned into a series of stories that targeted the husband. Turns out Susan died from ingesting a lethal combination of painkillers and antifreeze. The husband, who was charged with murder, ultimately pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and was sent to prison. As hard-charging and public as Jeff was in his work life, the lifelong bachelor was notoriously private about his personal life. He was always back to business, back to business. This man was born to be a reporter. A man who lived for his job, and as it turns out, a man who may have died for it. The entire newsroom rallied together. His colleagues had no idea who did this or why. But they were determined to do what Jeff Gehrman would have done. Find out. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that life can be unpredictable, and the last thing you want is uncertainty on your own doorstep. Simply Safe provides 24 7 monitoring and live guard protection, prioritizing your safety around the clock. With affordable plans starting at less than a dollar a day, it's the best choice for protecting what matters most. With Simply Safe, there are no long term contracts, and installation is simple whether you do it yourself or opt for professional installation. And you can rest easy knowing Simply Safe offers a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Take control of your security today. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/48hours. Don't wait until it's too late. Protect what matters most with Simply Safe. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's talk about my mochi ice cream. Why? Because friends do not let friends miss out on something this good. My mochi is premium ice cream wrapped in sweet soft dough, and the flavors are amazing. Like my mochi double chocolate with rich chocolatey bits, it's a chocolate lover's dream. Or don't get me started on my mochi strawberry ice cream. It's cool, creamy, and bursting with natural berry flavor. And the sweet, luscious flavor of my mochi mango will send your taste buds straight to the tropics. My mochi is gluten-free, perfectly portioned, and only around 90 calories per piece. Taste the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream today. Find My Mochi at Walmart or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. The RJ staff was in mourning. Their sorrow in full display on Jeff Gehrman's desk. It's a reminder that this team is not going to be the same without him, but we can carry on the way he would want us to. And that meant doing what he would have done. The staff started tugging on threads and searching for clues, working nonstop on one of the most important stories of their careers. Who killed Jeff Gehrman? Immediately, I started thinking in my head, all right, who had threatened Jeff in any way in the last five months? Who could have possibly done this? 
Executive editor Glenn Cook asked Rhonda to come up with a short list of people to consider. One of the names I gave him was Robert Tellis. And who is Robert Tellis? He was a Clark County elected official in charge of the public administrator's office, which handles estates of people who are deceased. One of the estate coordinators in Tellis's office, Alicia Goodwin, had reached out to Jeff Gehrman in March of 2022. She had filed a formal complaint with the Clark County Office of Diversity on behalf of herself and some colleagues claiming Robert Tellis harassed, bullied, and discriminated against them. He was a horrible, the horrible human being. Monster is the right word. But Alicia says the county did nothing. It was always, he's an elected official, there's nothing we can do. Jeff agreed to hear what Alicia and her colleagues, Noreen Pagdanganen, Rita Reed, and Jessica Coleman had um, to say. And when he finally talked to us and he let us tell what had happened to us, and he said, no, I'm going to look into this. I, I think that's the only thing that gave us enough energy to keep going. According to the women, the trouble began almost immediately after Robert Tellis took office in January 2019. Rita, a supervisor, was his second in command and a 12-year veteran of the office. He came in very abruptly into the office and he slammed his palms down on my desk with a, with a real loud bang. Like a... Oh, yes, absolutely. And he leaned forward and he said, we're ripping off the bandage. You no longer supervise anyone. No one reports to you. They all report to me. And he turned around and he walked out. And I just sat there stunned. The women say they were ordered not to speak to each other in the office. It, it felt dangerous to even have a hello, good morning conversation with coworkers in passing. If caught, the consequences could be severe, says Alicia. She remembers getting called into Tellus's office after he saw her and two other women talking. We walked into his office and he said, sit down and shut up. You're not gonna talk, I'm gonna talk. And he just got this look on his face. He sit back and he pointed at Narain and said, you. What was it like to be in that room and receiving that? It was scary because I did not want to upset him because I knew how he could be. Despite years of service, all the women say they feared for their jobs. And Jessica, who safeguarded the property of the deceased in a caged room, says she feared for her physical safety. She says Tellus would sometimes come in and threaten her. There was an instance where he got in my face and, you know, he's yelling and I'm sort of backed up against um, the cage door. He was trying to physically intimidate you? Yes, yes. He would bring his chairs up really close and, and demand that you really pay attention and look him in the eye while he told you horrible things. One of those horrible things, says Jessica, almost did her in. Alone in the cage together, she says, Tellus started by saying that he noticed she never talked to anyone in the office, a bizarre comment considering his no-talking rule. And he goes, if you keep going down this road, you're going to be like our cases and you're just going to die alone and nobody's going to find you. And I sat there and cried. Um, 
And then after that, it's hard to admit. Then I started um, thinking the best thing I could do would be to sacrifice myself for the girls. And I had actually picked out a place um, that I was going to hang myself in the vault in view of the door because he would always come by and, and make sure I was working. And I thought, this will be good. If they have to find me this way, then the county will have to do something. Mercifully, Jessica realized that was not the solution to the problem. But they came so up with another plan. The women believe Tellus was having an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate in the office named Roberta. Roberta, they claimed, used that relationship to assume power and privilege beyond her job title. Is there any doubt in your mind that the two of them were having a romantic affair? No, absolutely not. None whatsoever. No. But they needed proof. So they decided to follow them. We had seen a pattern, short dress day. If they went the same direction, we knew that we needed to go. It was always to the same place, says Alicia, a parking garage in a nearby mall. The alleged lovers would park next to each other. We started to take pictures and we started to video. That's Roberta's car on the left, Robert Tellis's on the right. So how did you position yourselves where you could get some video? So, very carefully. Very, yeah. <laughs> in a car? Sometimes in a car, sometimes we would get out of our car. There were, there were kind of some cutouts and pillars where you could get yeah. angles here and there. And we just tried to move around and to get the best that we could. According to the women, the alleged lovers would ultimately end up in the back seat of Roberta's car. Roberta has said that they would sit in the back seat because she wanted to be able to make eye contact with him as they were having mm -hmm. important office discussions. Yeah, yes. that is what she said. And and, okay, and your reaction to that? Well, that last video we got, we had a little better recorder. You can see the, the shadows and you can see those heads going together. We felt it was so inappropriate. But this was the shot they believed was the most telling. Roberta leaving the car and smoothing down her dress. It was so unbelievable and it just took a moment to, to digest that it I mean, at that moment, it was like so real. After seeing the videos, Jeff asked Roberta about them. She responded, I have not had an inappropriate relationship with him. The RJ published the story. Let me read the lead in this first article. The Clark County Public Administrator's Office has been mired in turmoil and internal dissension over the past two years with allegations of emotional stress, bullying, and favoritism leading to secret videotaping of the boss and a co-worker outside the office. That story went all over the state of Nevada and before long, all over the country. As this settled in, are you thinking mission accomplished or are you thinking what's gonna happen to us next? Both. Yeah, the terror didn't stop. The terror almost just got worse. It just changed yeah. face. What do you make of Robert Tellez's alleged behavior in the workplace? 
Chat now with the 48 Hours team on Facebook and X. Jeff Gehrman's story, with its allegations of turmoil, bullying, and hostility, had a swift and searing effect at the public administrator's office. The county finally sent in an outside consultant, and Robert Tellis lost his bid for re-election in the primary, ironically to his arch enemy, Rita Reed. But Jeff wasn't through with Robert Tellis yet. He wrote three more scathing pieces chronicling the fall of the once up-and-coming young Democrat. And another story was in the works. But Jeff Gehrman did not survive to write it. Jeff Gehrman was found stabbed to death outside his home in the Northwest... When news of Jeff's murder broke, the women Jeff had fought for were overcome with grief, but also dread, afraid of what they may have unleashed. Alicia's dad, a former Las Vegas police detective who introduced her to Jeff, said what they were all thinking. My dad called me first thing in the morning and said that Jeff had been killed. And I didn't even get to react before my dad's next word were, I know who my first suspect is. As soon as those words came out of his mouth, I knew immediately too. That it was Robert. That it was Robert. The staff at the Las Vegas Review-Journal was wondering the same thing. Could Robert Tellis have been involved? The journalistic hounds are are released, right? Yes. We weren't going to do anything until every little rock was overturned and every little fact was found out about what, what this guy was and who he was. Art Kane, now the investigation's editor, was a reporter at the time. And we started finding out a lot of interesting things about him. For example, he was arrested while he was public administrator for choking his wife. Can you please send somebody here? My husband is going crazy. There's body cam video that we have obtained of that. Who would I hit? Cameras. Our cameras cameras are on. You guys want to take me down because I'm a public official. Tellus, slurring his words, was arrested for domestic battery and resisting arrest. There is sufficient evidence to book me right now. There is sufficient evidence to book you right now, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not trying to be like, I'm a public official, so, you know, mm-hmm. do what I want you to do. Right. I'm saying, I'm not a idiot. Mm-hmm. He received a suspended 90-day sentence on the resisting charge and was ordered to attend a corrective thinking class. The battery charge was dismissed. No one ever heard about it because no one covers DUIs and domestics. And that flew under the radar. Looking back, there were other warning signs, says Brianna, such as these. A series of tweets Tellus posted in response to Jeff's reporting. Read that one for me. Looking forward to lying smear piece number four by at RJ. Hashtag one trick pony. I think he's mad that I haven't crawled into a hole and died. Laughing emoji. What did you think of that one? Somebody who's pretty pissed off. But the journalists knew angry tweets didn't prove anything. They needed facts, and facts were hard to come by. All they had were these two still surveillance photographs the police had released of the suspect in Jeff's neighborhood. 
the outfit, bizarre as it seems, may have been a strategic choice, says Art. The outfit is very typical of what um, construction workers and people who do landscaping wear because they want to cover up all their skin from the sun. When the police released a surveillance video, Review Journal photographer Kevin Cannon immediately noticed something the big hat and orange reflective shirt couldn't hide. The man's walk, his gait. How would you describe that gait? It's a, it's a bit of a, a limp and a favor on one side, it seems. Kevin went digging in his files and found this, a walking shot he had taken of Robert Tellis when Jeff interviewed him at his office. The staff compared both videos side by side. I'm not sure how to describe it, but it was definitely the identical gate in my mind. Kevin then went through hundreds of still photos he had taken that day and found this. It's a very chilling photo, and it's the one and only photo where Jeff and Tellus are in the same photo. Executive editor Glenn Cook says his staff moved forward on the operating theory that Robert Tellus could have been the killer, but they still didn't have hard evidence. Then the police released this, a photo of the suspect's car, a maroon Yukon Denali. Show me what you did. But you just type in the address, you pull up the Google Street View. Assistant city editor David Ferrara immediately typed Telus's home address into Google Earth. And if you zoom in, on the house, that maroon vehicle is there, parked in the driveway. The maroon SUV was registered to Telus's wife. And at that moment, we send reporters and photographers straight to the house. And the message I give our Metro editor is, do not engage, do not approach, do not be seen. This man is very likely a suspect in the murder of your colleague and we can't predict how he's gonna to react to anyone being near him. But the photographer, crouching behind his dashboard, managed to get what he came for. And is this the picture that is taken? That's the photo. This is the money photo. It's the money shot. Robert Tellis, on a scorching hot 110 degree day, is in jeans in his driveway, washing the maroon GMC Yukon Denali. This must have been a moment where, I don't know if there's any cheering going on in your newsroom, but what a development. What does this mean? Well, it means that possibly Jeff was killed by the last story he wrote about. I mean, this was his last investigation, and, and the suspect appears to be the guy he wrote about and basically took him out of office. Without corroboration from police documents, the Review Journal couldn't go with the story. But Glenn Cook was betting it wouldn't be long. His reporters had seen unmarked police cars outside Robert Tellis's home. We have every reason to believe at this point that it's only a matter of time before a search warrant is gonna be executed at that house. A search that will uncover crucial evidence. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. 
As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. As the investigators geared up to serve Robert Tellus with a search warrant, the Review Journal needed to be sure it would be the first to break the news. It was important because Jeff was always first and we wouldn't want to let him down and not be the first. We polish that story and then we sit on it until police move in. In the early morning of September 7th, 2022, Just five days after Jeff Gehrman's murder, Tellus was brought in for questioning as police searched his home and cars. While he was in custody, detectives collected a DNA sample from Tellus. They also took the jeans he was wearing into evidence and gave him a white paper suit to change into before he was taken back to his house and swarmed by reporters eagerly awaiting his arrival. Inside Tellus's home, investigators say they found gym shoes and a duffel bag similar to what was seen in the surveillance video. And when they looked in the garage, detectives say they discovered even more. A straw sun hat, or what was left of it. The sun hat. The sun hat. Cut up into pieces. Yes. But police say the most crucial piece of evidence would come from the DNA sample that was taken from Tellus earlier that day. We received positive DNA results that showed Robert Tellus's DNA at the crime scene. Tellus's DNA was under Jeff's fingernails. There's no doubt in my mind that Jeff knew exactly what was happening in that split second, and he made sure he got the evidence. With a DNA match apparently secured, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department descended on Robert Tellus's home once again and began clearing the area for an arrest. And this is where he was arrested? Yes. Review and Journal photographer Kevin Cannon was one of dozens of media who had been waiting outside Tellus's home that day. What happens when the cops arrive? Suddenly, the police said, okay, everybody out. They kicked the entire news. Everyone who was here 
out. Where do you go? So I made a beeline to the front door of a neighbor who I befriended earlier when I arrived, and they, without saying a word, opened the door and welcomed me in and walked me to their backyard where I could have a view of Telus's house. And you could still see the house from your, your vantage point From the point backyard, there. yeah. Back in the RJ newsroom, some of the staff anxiously kept up with what was happening at the scene through the office's police radio and heard that Telus refused to come out of his home. Our target is still calling on the uh, phone. However, he has made a couple of 405 comments. 405 comments, a code Las Vegas police use to indicate comments associated with self-harm. It was kind of scary at that point. We were thinking, is, is this all going to end on his terms now? Please tell me 405 comments. Uh, we're going to go ahead and make the official request for SWAT. Well, my colleagues heard through the scanner that they were going to move in because he had cut himself and they wanted to save him before he harmed himself more. And they wanted to get to him. Right. The SWAT team made its move, and that's when Kevin got ready. And so you were positioned, you were ready to go then. Right. I was ready to go the whole time. I mean, I had my finger on the button the whole time. Where do you look? What do you see behind you? Well, I see them rolling him out on a stretcher down around that corner, down that path, out the driveway, and put in an ambulance right here. Kevin was the only photographer that day to capture Telus's dramatic arrest. His image of Telus on the stretcher made the front page of the Review Journal the following morning. The next day, I uh, opened the paper, and there was a photo on the front page with the Banner headline, stunning arrest, and, and I, it was stunning. And satisfying for you after all that. Very satisfying. It becomes huge news, obviously, all over the country. A reporter allegedly killed by a politician for a story he wrote. That's pretty unheard of. After Tellus was treated at the hospital for his self-inflicted injuries, he was booked into the Clark County Detention Center. Six weeks later, Tellus was indicted by a grand jury for murder with use of a deadly weapon. How did you plead, guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, Your Soon after, evidence from the grand jury was released by the Clark County District Court, including that grainy surveillance attack video. I think probably what we found some of the most disturbing is the last three videos. Minutes later, it shows the assailant returning to the scene of the crime and parking that maroon Yukon Denali in front of Jeff's driveway. And now you'll see him walk over and make sure that Jeff is dead. And you're theorizing he is checking to see I, if it, he's it, dead because obviously be. Jeff saw this, this right. person. He wants to make sure that there's not a witness that's still alive. Seemingly satisfied, the suspect walked back to his car and left. Since his arrest, Tellus has been in jail awaiting trial. Did you murder Jeff Gehrman? What do you make of the evidence found inside of Robert Tellus's home? See more evidence photos from the case at 48hours.com. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. 
Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Robert. Good morning. We met Robert Tellus for a video interview at the Clark County Detention Center and began with the question on everyone's mind. Did you murder Jeff Gehrman? No, sir, I did not. If you did not commit this murder, who did? I will reserve that for trial. You have said that you were framed. Do you stand by that in this conversation? Tellus says he can explain the evidence against him. The torn-up sun hat, the Yukon Denali, and his DNA under Jeff's fingernails. I say that that evidence, or so-called evidence, was planted, along with the other items that were allegedly found in my home as well. And we will go ahead and prove that at trial. How could someone who is trying to frame you plant your DNA under his fingernails? How would that have have happened. They first they would have had to have gotten your DNA, and then when would they have planted it under his fingernails? It seems far-fetched. Well, you know, crazier things have happened, and I'll tell you that I didn't kill Mr. German. Come on, man. That's overwhelming. DNA ends up under his fingernails, your DNA. This is an overwhelming case against you, Robert, that you committed this murder. He also says he will show he didn't do those things Gehrman wrote about in his articles. Robert, you're saying that what these women have said to me, what they told Jeff Gehrman and he printed, those are all lies. If you look at what Mr. Gehrman printed, none of it was, none of it had any facts within it, right? It was all alleged opinion about, you know, what, how they felt that, that I I acted. But it's hard to argue with this. The footage the women shot of their boss and his alleged lover in the parking garage. Let me ask you straight, were you and Roberta having an affair? Uh, no, she was uh, a confidant. Um, 
but I'll, I'll leave it at that. But Jeff was not willing to leave it at that. He was planning on writing another piece. According to police documents, Tellus and Roberta got word the day before the murder that there was a planned release of emails and messages between her and Tellus to the Review Journal. There was a freedom of information request that Jeff had put out, and you were told that new messages and emails were going to come out describing the relationship between you and Roberta, communications between the two of you, and it suggested that you made a decision to murder him to try to silence that, to prevent that from being published. What do you say about that? I say that's a mischaracterization of, of things. I'll tell you that what was going to be released, and I saw what was going to be released, um, had no inklings of, of any type of, you know, confidence relationship, any type of supposed affair. It, it was all business related. So that would not have been a motivation because there was nothing that was going to be produced that, that would look bad. Prosecutors have mentioned this as a contributing motive to the murder. In Robert Tellis's mind, Jeff Gehrman ruined his marriage, ruined his political career, embarrassed him, and was continuing to report on him rather than leave him alone. If the intention of the alleged killing was to stop Jeff's reporting, it didn't work. After his murder, the RJ journalists hunted through Jeff's notes. Picking up where Jeff left off. And completed the stories Jeff had been working on at the time of his death, including another on Robert Tellis's toxic past, a story that investigates claims of sexual harassment, all of which he has denied. The main thing here is you cannot kill a reporter and kill the story. You just can't do that. In life, Jeff Gehrman was known to protect his sources at all costs. In death, Jeff was still protecting them. After the murder, the police took all his devices, which harbored the names of countless sources. The Review Journal went to court, and in a hard-fought case that went all the way to the Nevada Supreme Court, the paper won protection for his sources. That'll be the Gehrman rule, that you will not be able to go into a reporter's files, you will not be able to go through their phone, you will not be able to look at their sources, even after death. These four Jeff Gehrman sources are not about to let the world forget the reporter who fought to protect them. They have attended almost every hearing trying to come to terms with their feelings of guilt. Because no matter what logic is in your head, it's not your fault that Jeff made his choices and that he was a professional. Your heart tells you, if we wouldn't have made that call, he wouldn't have died in that violent way that day. And if I was to talk to him today, I think the first thing I would say is I'm sorry, but not for him, for me, because he wouldn't accept my apology, but I need to give it. Jeff Gehrman was a reporter's reporter, one of the good guys, a man who spent a lifetime speaking truth to power, truths that are now baked into the history of this place. 
a neon strip of gritty stories laid bare beneath the desert sky. He told anyone who asked that he was never going to retire, that he was going to report until his last breath, and that's exactly what he did. And he gave his life to this job. He literally gave his life to this job. I think that's his legacy. Join me Tuesday for Postmortem from 48 Hours, where we'll dive even deeper into today's episode and answer your questions about the case. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds, but none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition, wherever you get your books. Always on the go? You can take CBS Mornings with you. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on the CBS Mornings On The Go podcast. Listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery Plus.